Show Mission, Two Men, One Podcast, Every Black Film Ever. My name is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble of Black Tribble Spain, and I'm joined by my co-host. Uh, this is Vincent Williams of uh, It's All Soul, now now on Wednesday nights, 8 to 10 on GTownRadio.com. And we have a, a little bit more, uh, a little bit more more housekeeping because we got more fan mail more mail more mail before we get to the uh the movie of the week which is carmen jones All right. um but i want to let everyone know they're out there if you want to send us mail you can hit us up at mission at gmail.com or you can always uh, tweet and follow us on twitter at mission michelle uh, Michelle is spelled M-I-C-H-E-A-U-X. Mission Michelle. You can follow us on Twitter. Oscar was a fancy Negro. He was that. He was a fancy dancy. <laughs> um, and then um, we're also on Facebook. You can like us on Facebook at Mich- at the Michelle Mission. We got fan mail, Vince. Oh, I know, man. That is pretty dope. Um, people can listen to us. They can subscribe to us on iTunes or SoundCloud. Just go look. Look for uh, Michelle Mission, and you'll find us, and you can uh, subscribe to us. If you're already a subscriber to the Black Tribbles, you uh, notice that we are in their feed now because the Black Michelle Mission is now part of the Black Tribbles Podcast Network. Uh, we got fan mail from Maurice Poplar, a.k.a. Paul Robeson Tribble. Okay. All right. <laughs> He's That's quite a name. It, it, it is indeed. You're going to say crazy stuff and then move out of the United States? <laughs> I hope not. Uh, Hey, Michelle Mission. I love the concept of this podcast. It could be like the old school book club. Oh, okay. I hope you consider putting a list, a syllabus together so we can watch along. Mm. I I like that. I like that. Now that assumes that you and I have it sketched out. (laughs) Looks like uh, Maurice (laughs) is giving us some homework. Looks like Maurice. (laughs) Is it possible for you all not to pick the movie 30 seconds after you finish taping one episode? (laughs) Maybe we do have some homework to do, Maurice. I don't know if this is going to be a studio show, uh, nor do I know if I'd be able out here on the West Coast, but a calling component would be hot. As a filmmaker, I'm super geeked to hear the discussions ahead. What is black film wrestling with the legacy of Cosby? Y'all already getting deep. Uh, uh, that's from Maurice Poplar, a.k.a. Paul Robeson Tribble. All right. Thank you, Maurice. I really appreciate, appreciate that. that. Appreciate that. And then we were also um, reached out to via Twitter by Purple at P-R-P-L-R-K-I, I guess, uh, K-L, excuse me, P-R-P-L-R-K-L. I guess that's Purple Killer. I don't know. Purple killer, maybe. But it's 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 purple. Okay. He says, uh, at Mr. Michelle, I love your show. Okay. I would like to know your thoughts on recent black films like Dear White People and Dope. Keep it up. Okay. Okay. Obviously, those are those are on 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 the on the uh, list and on uh, the list. And I should let you know um, that 
you know, as far as my own personal list, mm-hmm. I know that dope is coming up very, very soon. Dope, dope is a dope is a, dope is a dope movie to talk about um, for a lot of reasons. Yes. But I guess to answer the immediate question, I enjoyed like, you know, not to not to kill the episode. I enjoyed dope. I'll just I say too. I enjoyed dope for a number of reasons. Yes. Same here. What about Dear White People? I actually haven't seen it yet. I tried to watch Dear White People. Interesting. And uh, but admittedly, I did. I I turned it on while I was doing some work. Okay. So I was like looking up and right, which right. is never the way to watch uh, a new movie. And I actually uh, didn't mean to do it, but you know how if you watch something on Netflix and it goes off and it suggests something else, and right, that right. other thing might come up if you don't hit. So it came up, and I was in the middle of my work. I was like, all right, well, I'll just watch this. And then, like, about maybe 20 to 45 minutes into it, I realized that I I wasn't keeping up with it, so I right, turned it off. Right. So I do need to uh, watch it uh, again. I, I will say this about Dear White People. I, I, am, I'm, I was really paying attention to Dear White People because all of the young people around me, like, like people I know under 30, were really, really passionate oh, yeah. about it. It was a big film on social which, media. Which says something to me because, you know, I, I hadn't seen that level of passion right. for film right. in, you know, any time recently. So I said, oh, okay, something going on here. Like I had a lot of, you, you know, hey, Uncle Vince, hey, you, you need to watch this. Right, so, right. All right. All right, so we'll definitely, um, so Purple, what we will do, we will make sure that uh, Dear White People. Um, and, oh, and to follow up on Purple, if you do have suggestions of, of things that we should watch sooner than later, yes, absolutely let us know. Yes, because we're watching every one. Every one. So so there's none that is off the list. You, you want to know something? If, if you listened to us uh, talk last week about The Last Dragon, and, and we were talking about films that resonate and films that don't. And I gave an example of one that perhaps did not, uh, a black sister's revenge, mm-hmm. which I was looking on my shelf and I own black sister's <laughs> revenge. And I was like, the funny thing is it, there's a clip from black sister's revenge going around Facebook. Like, have you seen it's like some, some real reedy, dude with mm-hmm. like some tidy whities on he's talking real crazy to some woman no. about how i don't love you and why would i ever love you and who you think you are i'm the but but it's that's from black sister's revenge get out of here so it was like black sister's revenge came up three times in my life last week just real randomly wow <laughs> i think we really need to get this syllabus together that marisa suggested i think we really Eve's by you do the right thing. No, no. Black Sisters Revenge, <laughs> The Color Purple, and Soul Plane. Sankofa. <laughs> you know what? It, it might it might be cool to try in like four weeks in a month, like like knock out like a good twelve. So mm-hmm. people, this is this is going to be the next twelve episodes. You know. Okay. And if we're able, and if you know, maybe things get switched around down the road. But it looks like if if you watch these next twelve episodes, you'll be right in lockstep. Right, right, with right. us for the most part. Very nice. You know what I mean? Very so, nice. So maybe we'll maybe we'll try and do that. So there you go, Maurice. There you go, Maurice. You're welcome. Thank bro. you again. We are all on the mission. We're all on this mission. We're all together. on this mission. All right. So, all right. Let's take a um, let's take a pause from the housekeeping and get down to the nitty gritty of Carmen James. James. sensational long-run Broadway musical hit by Oscar Hammerstein, who gave you Showboat, Oklahoma, South Pacific, and The King and I. 
brought to the screen by Otto Preminger, who produced and directed such hits as Laura and The Moon is Blue. With the original Bizet music that made Carmen one of the most popular scores in the world. With a cast of show world favorites starring Harry Belafonte, Dorothy Dandridge, Pearl Bailey, Olga James, Joe Adams. With a new modern story of the exciting people and colorful places of America. What's mine's yours, Joey. And that goes right down the line. You take us to Chicago, show us a good time. What we gotta do for you? Well, don't ask him that now, honey. Let's get to Chicago first. See, so run out on me. Sure. We can give you a better time than I can. Fancy clothes. Swell company. The whole works. Husky Miller's latest woman. Only that ain't the way it's gonna be. I swear, let no man take you away from me. How are you gonna stop me? I'll show you. With great songs and dances that the world will be singing and dancing to. Sensational song hits like... When your lover decides to fly, there ain't no door that you can close. She just picks you a quick goodbye and flicks the salt from a tail and goes. If you beat all that someone's own, beat all old someone's own, beat all Stand up and fight until you hear the bell. Stand toe to toe, trade blow for blow. Keep punching till you make your punches tell. Show that crowd what you want. Okay, Carmen Jones, 1954's Carmen Jones, directed by Otto Priminger. I believe it is Otto Priminger's. He he had a number of films before Carmen Jones. Oh, like yeah. just looking at his IMDb, you know, certainly this is after a dozen films. Yeah, he's been working since the made. 30s. Oh yeah, absolutely. And um, Carmen Jones is a film that was based on the musical Carmen Jones which is it in itself um, based on Bizet's 19th century opera, Carmen. Carmen. So again, this is a musical uh, written and music by Oscar Hammerstein. And Otto Priminger saw the story and, and really believed in it, said, I want to make a film version of this film. Carmen Jones, uh, the lead character played by the legendary, Dorothy Dandridge, mm -hmm. and she works for a parachute company during. They never quite make it clear if it's during World War II. I get the feeling it it's, is. It's, it's it is during World War yeah. II, and um, Harry Belafonte plays Joe, a corporal who is on his way to be an aviator, and Carmen Jones and Joe enter into a torrid love affair that, of course, ends badly. Besides Harry Belafonte. And Dorothy Dandridge, you also have Pearl Bailey, who shows up and plays Carmen Jones's friend Frankie. Mm -hmm. You have um, Blink and You Miss Her, Diane Carroll, yep. plays her other friend Mert. Mert. Uh, Olga James, Olga James plays 
Joe's um, hometown girlfriend, Cindy Lou. Who is the uh, splitting image of Tisha Campbell. Do you think? I think so. That's I, interesting. I, I, I didn't think about that. I was I, I watched her and I was like, is that Tisha Campbell's mother? <laughs> she looked just like Tisha Campbell. That's interesting. You know, the funny thing about uh, Ol- the, the actress Olga James, uh, she didn't do a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Didn't do a lot of work. I, I think the, the most noteworthy thing about Olga James in this role is that she is the only primary character who sings opera, basically, because, again, it's based on the opera. And the way the conceit works is that they have modern lyrics Right. Over the actual operettas, operettos, the, the music, the, the music. Right. And and everyone is dubbed. Olga James is not dubbed. Not everyone is dubbed. Not everyone. Is, well, well, Harry Belafonte is dubbed. Dorothy. Dandridge. Dorothy Dandridge is dubbed. Pearl Bailey is not. Dubbed. Pearl Bailey is not dubbed. But Pearl Bailey also is the only song that they change it up. They they right. they, they move it to her range. I believe they talk about. Yeah. So, you know, um, because she's Pearl Bailey. At this point, exactly. and 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 she's actually the the only one. You know, Harry Belafonte was a sing like he was an actor that like, but he was a calypso singer. He was a calypso singer, and he was already a, a, a man of many talents. Mm. So that you know, singing was maybe second or third on the list. And uh, although Dorothy Dandridge also was a singer, singing was not what she was known for. No, she was an actress first. Right. So Pearl Bailey is not dubbed. Olga James is not dubbed, and Olga James actually Juilliard chain uh, trained. Musician. It shows. Right. So what do we think about Carmen Jones? You, you can tell it's a very important film. And and I think it, it's noteworthy that this is a film that out the gate you see it is important. And, you know, obviously we'll talk about the um, background as as time goes on. But, but if you read the history of the film, Otto Priminger ex- apparently really, really believed in this project. Put his so money where his mouth he, was. He, his plan was to put his money where his mouth is, you know, eventually because, you know, it, they um, he was released from his contract with um, with United Artists. With United Artists, but then he got a new contract. Excuse me, excuse me. He was released with his with his contract from 20th Century Fox. Right. That's who he was released from. And then he signed a new contract, but they allowed him to have complete control over the project. But as you said, he was he his plan was to finance this himself with mm-hmm. two partners who had worked it with him on previous projects. Um he commissioned a, a rewrite of of the script from the musical um he was really hands-on with the casting and when you read people's accounts of this period and i'm thinking specifically of of a diane carroll i'm I'm thinking of you know harry belafonte wrote about this obviously you know i've read something with pearl bill i actually read where sydney portier talks about this because sydney portier of course goes on to be and Otto Priminger's Porgy and Bess a few years after this again with Dorothy Dandridge. But this is a big deal when they start casting for this because this is going to be one of the very few films featuring a black cast and and i think you you get the sentiment when when it starts one of the few, one of the, excuse me one of the few major i'm sorry one of the few, right major studio major backed right. films featuring a black cast mm-hmm. so so you know everybody wants to be involved with this here's something i learned i did not know this diane carroll actually auditioned 
auditioned for, for the, the role. role of Carmen. Yes, she did. Carmen and apparently Otto Priminger, and if you've ever seen him, this this makes total sense. Was a very imposing man, mm-hmm. and and she I guess flubbed the audition. Uh, Dorothy Dandridge said she wanted to do it, but if you look at, and this is sort of ironic when we think about Dorothy Dandridge in her image, which is always like you always see the, the this very kind of sensual sexual picture of Dorothy Dandridge like the way they present her but when you look at her roles up to this point apparently Otto Priminger didn't think that she could convey the sexuality and the sensuality that he thought Carmen needed and it's one of these great stories where she comes back in character yeah and obviously convinces him that um she can be Carmen Jones I think it's a movie. It, it, it's a movie that that I kind of like in spite of itself. I have to say, um, really, I do. Well, it's it's got a couple of strikes against it in Vince's book. Okay. First and foremost, I hate black versions of stuff. I hate okay. I hate the black version of something for a couple of reasons. A, I feel like if you have the the time, the effort, the energy, the resources that go to the black version of Steel Magnolias, the black version of this, it could be an original story okay. that perhaps is set in an African-American landscape, whatever that may be, and you're not just sort of doing this almost stunt casting. The second thing is there's always this kind of condescending whiff to it, like, like, it's, a, like it's an experiment, like, look, we're going to have we're going to get all the black people to do, quote unquote, regular stuff. And okay. look, they did it. It's kind of look, we're going to have the nativity, but we're going to dress up puppies and all the outfits. Gotcha. And Jesus is going to be a Rottweiler. You know, it's it's always a whiff of that to it. Hmm. So and you think there's a whiff of that to Carmen? Jones? I think there's absolutely a whiff of that to Carmen Jones. And, and I think that um, Otto Priminger does the best he can with the concept and I also would submit Otto Priminger was aware that this may have been part of uh, um backlash that may have happened where people say you know what are you doing um you know another factoid you, did you see the thing where he went and spoke to Walter White no Walter White was the head of the NAACP oh yeah that he time. submitted the film and he submitted that. the yes. film to Walter White to basically say you know, we, we good right we good right so you know what i thought when you said walter white right you thought he had traveled through time and <laughs> i don't remember through this the episode. fourth dimension and spoke to a fictional character <laughs> i don't remember this episode of right. breaking bad <laughs> that that would be a great behind the scenes story um no walter white the head of the naacp <laughs> who also incidentally if you've ever seen him looks very much like a white man went undercover and investigated the ku klux klan there's your Walter White factoid. Um, so you have that with the black version of white stuff. So that's two strikes. Where's the third strike? I don't like dubbing. I don't like the dubbing of of main characters. As we've talked about, most of the main players, their their singing it's is dubbed. is dubbed. And and there's a lot that you can read into that. I was I was saying, and and, and I broke the the, the rule and, and talked about stuff. Before we got on state, got on uh, the mic, but uh, Jeff Smith wrote this amazing, interesting article called "Black Faces, White Voices" in 2003 about the politics of Porgy and Bess 
and right. who got dubbed and who doesn't get dubbed. And the singers are actually white who are singing the, the, the roles of Joe and Carmen. Carmen. And, and, you know, just sort of the implications of black actors can't have their own voice or, or black players can't have their own voice. And, and they also sang this Bizet music, basically this, this operatic music and even the, the Oscar Hammerstein music. And, and it's almost like they can't be trusted mm. to sing it themselves. So that also rubs me the wrong way, like just on a visceral level. Right. Having said all of that, I do fall on the side of, I like this movie because I think, I think Dorothy Dandridge is, is phenomenal. I think just, just I, I think I think it's one thing to see pictures of Dorothy Dandridge and like stills, but but I think she, this is very much a person. She was a star, and she was an old school studio, like she's like an old school studio system star, like in right. a parallel universe where where you didn't have just sort of the structural and and so, sort of just overt racism that you had in the fifties, mm-hmm. Dorothy Dandridge would have been one of the biggest stars in the universe. Like, like you would have talked about her with a Jane Wyman, with the Marilyn Monroe, with, you know, all of these people that came out of this period under this studio control. I guess that's my initial salvo. Your initial salvo on Carmen Jones. You miss one strike against this film. It's four strikes. No, it's actually only three strikes, but, <laughs> but, um, I'll give it a fourth. Okay. And 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 to me actually this would be a bigger one than the dubbing thing. Okay. And while while in the in the whole idea of uh uh um political correctness and and speaking to that article, it is a valid point to point out about, you know, that we can't have our own voices and everything like that. In some defense of Hollywood at that time, the dubbing for singing was a common practice, very common. And it wasn't just for um, just for black singers. And as a matter of fact, the person that dubbed the voice for Dorothy Dandridge, uh, Marilyn Horn, is was noted and made her made her bones in Hollywood Mm -hmm. dubbing um, for some of the most prestigious singers and, and, and actresses out there, uh, including Audrey Audrey Hepburn. Mm-hmm. And I believe she also dubbed for... Did she, did she dub Audrey Hepburn in um, My, My Fair, Fair Lady? Lady. Yeah. yeah, she dubbed for, for My Fair Lady. She dubbed for... Her, what's the lady? The, the, the King and I. Julie Andrews. Yeah, she actually which, did which, a, a little which, bit of dubbing which for is, her. Which was controversial. Very controversial. Because Julie Andrews... Is Julie Andrews. And she has a great singing voice. Right. Yeah. So I I give them a pass for that because it was a common practice. But I did I, I never liked to practice though. No, I understand. Yeah, okay, practice, all right. So it wasn't just a speaking, Carmen Jones I'm, jab. I don't exactly. I don't like across the board when you know Natalie Wood in in um West Side Story. Like I don't like it when they do it. That's who it was. Natalie Wood. She she dubbed for Natalie Wood. It wasn't okay. Julie Andrews. I'm sorry. All right. Um but uh just just in speaking to that argument, that that's why I give them a pass because it was common practice. Okay. So I would I would give them I would give them a ball for that. Okay. As opposed to a strike. Okay. And then I would give the movie a strike for Harry Balafonte. Oh. 
I have stated before. You have. On our first episode, which was a review of Uptown Saturday We've Night. We've got continuity now. Yes, we do. It's <laughs> <laughs> a callback. Go, go check it out. Episode number one, Uptown Saturday Night. I said that that was the best piece of acting that I've ever seen right. Harry Belafonte do. And I'm hoping for something like this, this, this mission, to perhaps prove me wrong. Mm-hmm. And on this the second stop along the Harry Belafonte uh, filmography here right. on the Michelle Mission, I am still want to know because he is boring as hell. Good looking dude, can't knock that. Can you use the time mock defense? Because I think this is no, second no, film. No, you can't use the time mock. This defense. is second film. I don't care. Okay, time mock. Right, go time mock got to pass. One, because it was his first film. Two, mm-hmm. because he had never done any acting. And three, because he was 19 years old. Okay. Harry Belafonte is not a 19-year-old. No. And this is not his first first rodeo. Nor is it his first time in the spotlight because he was a Calypso singer first and foremost. So okay. he was a professional singer. He had been he, he'd been out there I, in the limelight. I, I, I was just throwing bit. it out. I was giving us another call. Go, go, well, go. You, just, you gave me a home <laughs> run. Thank you. Pitching underhanded like that. That bullshit. But um, <laughs> he is so boring in this movie and it's especially so when you consider not only how magnetic Dorothy Dandridge is in this role yeah she is she dubbed by Marilyn Horn yes and does Marilyn Horn Marilyn Horn do, do her best to make her voice approximate a sound that Sounds like it could come from Dorothy Dandridge. She does. Or Carmen Jones. Or Carmen Jones. it is yes. very earthy. When exactly. She sings, yeah. But Dorothy Dandridge, when she's singing, outside of that, you can hear like a slight change in how the, the audio is so that you know it's like, oh, this is not her singing. Mm-hmm. She is giving it her all in lip singing in this movie. Okay. She's giving it her all when she's doing her line readings in this movie. The movie is... Otto Preminger is needs a direct for the stage and not for movie. He's a very, very um, heavy-handed director. So it, it suffers a little bit for that. But even with that, even with his heavy-handedness, you can't take away from, like you said, the radiance and star quality that Dorothy Dandridge does show off in this movie. So Harry Balafonte has that going for him because he is just getting blinded by the light that is Dorothy. Okay. But then he is also blinded by Pearl Bailey, who in just what, maybe 10 minutes of screen time. Isn't she fantastic? She like, isn't Pearl Bailey amazing. She is amazing. She is, she is right. I mean, she she just comes in with a house of fire. You know, yes, they had to change up the music for her because you don't dub Pearl Bailey. You can't find nobody else to sing with that voice, to sing with that richness, to sing with that power. And then having so much fun in her role, mm-hmm. just 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 mm-hmm. being jaunty with it. I mean, she was just having such a good time. Yeah. Then you have Brock Peters. And I mean, come on. It's Brock <laughs> Peters. It's Brock Peters. First of all, you lose because you're standing next to a man named Brock Peters. You know, we all lose standing next to a man. What's your name? Brock Peters. Well, I'm out of here. You know what I mean? So, but then he's just chewing up the scenery all big and bold. And we're supposed to believe that Harold Balafonte beat Brock Peters. Get the hell out of here. Then. You mean in a fight or with in a, in Carmen a, Jones? Either way. All right. It's Carmen. It, it, I set you up for that one. On <laughs> come on. Come on, dude. Come on. Let's get real. Okay. Then just to kill it, just to, to, to put the button on it. Uh, make sure I get I want to give the, the man his due. Joe Adams in mm-hmm. the role of Husky Miller. Husky Miller. The fighter. 
Joe Adams is a DJ. Really? This was his first acting role <laughs> ever. And he lights up this. He's just having fun. Hey, Heat Wave. How you doing? He's just having a good time. If I'm Dorothy Dampton, if, if, I'm, if I'm Bat Tribble, I'm choosing Husky Miller <laughs> over Harry Belafonte. <laughs> I am um, serious. I um I didn't know Joe Miller was a DJ. But Joe I, Adams. Joe Adams, right? But I did read um Donald Bogle, the the great uh, black film historian and critic, wrote that Joe Miller's. You can actually watch Joe Joe um Joe Adams' career begin and end in this film because he's so sexual. Yes. and he's so like 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 Brock Peters is trying to one up Joe. Mm-hmm. And Joe has all these really complicated feelings. Yes, for Carmen Jones, Husky Miller is about uh, look. Yes, look. And and Don Bogle says that you know for a 1954 audience, and especially a primarily white audience, mm-hmm. Husky Miller was a lot. Yes, he was. So, well, he was Husky Miller. So, <laughs> so it is funny that that you pull him out to kind of highlight just how like how dull harry belafonte is i mean that's why nobody even cares about when he's singing his songs and they sound all all milk toast because he's just it's just another milk toast thing that harry belafonte is doing in this movie bringing down this movie to his his crummy level here 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 here's my response to that can you argue that that is actually part of the characterization of joe no and this here's why, because, and 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 I thought about that. I gave since because I want to give the man his due. However, in the beginning of this film, when Cindy Lou, mm-hmm. his, his his lady love, yes, comes to see him, and he's excited to see her. See her. Mm-hmm. He is genuinely excited to see her. Mm-hmm. You know how we know? Because she's excited to see him, not because of anything that he's doing, because he's just. Hey, Cindy Lou, he is—he is just one. He, you know who he is? He's—he's—he's he's Shaquille O'Neal. Hi, Cindy Lou, how you doing? Very good to see you. Come and get this minute. He is—he is—he is dry. And no, I don't think that's the character. I think the character is supposed to be all about that. When he's driving, um, when he's told by Brock Peters that he has to take Carmen over to the to the uh, the actual police actual police and mm-hmm. he's got to leave now he's supposed to be mad he's supposed to be legitimately mad there you can't tell because he's harry balafonte and he's boring when he when she's coming on to him he's trying to push her off and then they get they get wrecked and he has he, when he has to wrestle with her to tie her up and put his belt on her you know that's a really exciting scene why because dorothy dandridge is giving it her all harry balafonte is just sitting there taking the belt off harry balafonte is not a good actor. Gauntlet Throne. We're gonna have to find a Harry Belafonte feature. We've only found one, right, and that's Uptown right. South. I, I don't. I don't know. Any, I don't know much about his filmography. But now, oh, he was. Um, he was the, in the Cotton Club. That's the only one. I no, know. he also played a uh, seldom seen in in Kansas City. <laughs> imagine, yeah. imagine Harry he play, Belafonte. He played a gangster named Seldom Seen in Kansas, which is which it was basically the role from a cotton club. And he, it's like it. he played the, the gang the same gangster role, which even in this at the end there's a point where Joe's on the run because he's he's punched a superior officer. Yes. So he's on the run and he's kind of and, and he has on like this hat 
and like these these clothes. And in my notes, I wrote, "This is when he embarked on his life of crime and changed his name to <laughs> to, to, to Geechee Dan Buford." <laughs> the origin of Geechee. Wouldn't Dan. that have been dope if this was Geechee Dan Buford Year One? That would be dope. <laughs> that would be dope. But no, this was this was not. This was. Uh, uh, Harry Belafonte, seldom seen in movies because he's seldom good. Okay. All right. So, so I had to get it out there. Get, all right. So you get that out. <laughs> I think I land on the side. I'm not a musical person. I don't like musicals. Okay. Um, for the most part. There are some musicals that I do do enjoy. I think I land on the side of, I don't dislike this movie, but I don't like it either. I'm mm-hmm. happy that I've see, seen it mm-hmm. because it is one of those, you know, Films that has been like a, a certifiable classic. It, it's great to know that in 1954, this film with literally an all black cast was a very big hit. Yes, in in uh, in the theaters, uh, it was actually uh, written up, written written up in uh, the New York Times as a big musical shenanigan and theatrical tour de force, a poignant story. And it is rich nostalgic folklore of the American Negro in the South. Uh, Variety says that uh, with taste and imagination and opulent production and directed with a deft touch, blending comedy and tragedy and building the scenes to uh, building scenes to a suspenseful heights. Dorothy Dandridge is sultry as Carmen, whose performance remains the maintains the right hedonistic note throughout. So it, it got a lot of uh, praise so I'm glad that I've seen it. I, you know, it's off the bucket list. You know what I mean? Right, 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 right. Um, but I'm very indifferent about the film overall. Okay, honestly. okay. But you talked about this being the black version. You don't like like black version. I don't like black, except for the Wiz, of course, which we will get to. Right. See, but I. You will, always have to have the Wiz. I, don't, I ain't talking about the Wiz though. All right, I, go listen, ahead. I understand. But but I will I will counter counter that this is maybe not the black version of something because while this is based on the original opera Mm -hmm. Carmen and it it basically is a a stage production of it. it, This is the movie version of the stage production. Yes. So it's based on Carmen, but it's, it's still a very novel approach to take something that from the, um, from one genre and put it into another genre or from one media and put it into another media and change the look altogether because Carmen, the opera, as far as I understand was not about black people. No, no, no. What, but it's the same sort of storyline. No, no, it's the same storyline. Yeah. So, but it, it wasn't about black people. No. So for them to do a movie version of it, even though the movie version, well, even even still, for them to to take an opera, and then to do a a more musical version of that opera, and make it black, is a novel approach. And then to continue that, not to go Hollywood could have very easily just gone back to the source material, mm-hmm. and did and redid the original opera Carmen. But no, they saw that stage production from the from the forties and said, No, let's bring that to the film. Let's bring that to the motion pictures. So I don't know to me whether or not this counts as like in my mind mm-hmm. 
the black version of something uh, as opposed to something like The Wiz, which is really the black version, the black movie version of the white movie Wizard of Oz. You see what I'm saying? I I do. I still think I, I think the difference between the Wizard of Oz and 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 the musical The Wiz and the film The Wiz is that the the, the movie the The Wizard of Oz was a movie, so that's by definition pop culture, popular culture, musical play on Broadway, and then the film pop culture. Okay. I I think right. I think what I think what kind of rubs me the wrong way with Carmen Jones is you take this example of what many people would consider high art, which would be the opera, the opera, right? And then you kind of earthy it up. Like, like I guess when, when I say the black versions of things and like what I said, there is this kind of condescending subtext of like, we going to dress up the, the blackies and, and look at what they do. It's, it's almost like when you see adaptations of Shakespeare mm-hmm. and they move them to, I mean, even, even something like West side story. Right. I, I think if you, if you kind of squint your eyes and really look at that, it's, it's, it's the same. Well, it's definitely Romeo and Juliet, but, but again, this kind of patronizing, you, you know, it's like, we're going to take high art and, and scuff it up hmm. and, and let, you know, people of color kind of inhabit it. And Ooh, isn't that interesting? Look at how they do. And, 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 you know, just to qualify that this is all very subjective. And, and I, and I think, you know, something like Carmen Jones and, and then again, coupled with what I knew about the dubbing part of it, right? Like, like, and again, I already have this thing about dubbing. like you brought up Julie Andrews and I know Julie Andrews was dubbed mm-hmm. in either Mary Poppins or the King and I. And and I, and I I don't remember off the top of my head, but I do remember that this was a huge deal for Julie Andrews because again she's Julie Andrews and you know and 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 Natalie Wood getting dubbed in in West Side Story you you know there was some pushback like well why were you even in the role then so when you when you put those two together it gives me this kind of uneasiness when we talk about Carmen Jones. And then, you know, again, if we're doing full disclosure, I'm always uncomfortable after the fact with Carmen Jones for the same reason I'm uncomfortable with Porgy and Bess. The couple of times I've seen Porgy and Bess. Now you're talking about something I want to see. Um, I've never found a good print of Porgy and Bess. Like I have some like third generation DVD that I bought from a dude on a corner and you mean of the movie of the movie the movie porgy and best because of the personal relationship between Otto preminger and dorothy dandridge and i'm uncomfortable with with that i, I think I, I think he was abusive and domineering and and damn near single-handedly destroyed what little bit of career she was gonna have so all of that together when I watch Carmen Jones, there is that part of it where I'm like, uh, and then I like it in spite of itself. But um, what what I noticed, uh, the other thing, I uh, you know, of course, we're getting to to you know, do we think people should watch it? And and you know, I think we both sort of said like, I, I like your bucket list um argument, like like you should see Carmen Jones, like to say that you saw Carmen Jones. Yeah. But I think what spoke to me this this viewing 
was um you know you mentioned pearl pearl bailey's character and she is this amazing character who 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 well listen i think the the main conflict within carmen jones is that she's not quite sure where she fits in this world because i think you know to say that she's a femme fatale and she kind of destroys joe really simplifies their relationship because i think i think it's kind of amazing that she does love joe like she thinks she loves joe all the way up until the end where he kind of breaks the spell and becomes like all these other men that want to contain her like like she makes a point of saying you know in all these different scenes i don't like to be cooped up i don't like to be boxed in i don't like to be jailed and then you get to that you know towards the end where joe pulls you know where are you where you been and he notices that her necklace is missing and 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 she has this bag of groceries that she shouldn't have had the money for and then the spell breaks and she wants to leave so you have her and she's but but pearl bailey is you know i don't want to just put amorality on this character but pearl bailey is hear that rhythm of the drum yeah, you, you know, and this is my world, and 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 we gonna we gonna ride this thing until the she wheels fall out off yes. and do our thing. And then I noticed, I forgot how much Cindy Lou was in the movie. His uh, fiance, well, his girlfriend. Well, I guess she's because he, he proposes to her at the very beginning. So you know, his fiance. I forgot that she comes back at the end. I mean, she let this dude. She let this dude and she's trying to come get this dude and when she means he's completely off he's completely off the reservation as they say. And and Carmen Jones says to her, "You need to find yourself a fish you can fry." Right. <laughs> you know, in other words, go home. Right. And then she gets this great song at the end where she talks about how much she loved him and loves it and then she goes home. So I love that you have these kind of mirror female characters of Cindy Lou and um Pearl Bailey's character Flit is it Frankie? Uh, oh man. Yes, Frankie. Frankie. Frankie, Frankie. Yeah, Mert, Mert is Diane Carroll. Yeah, uh yeah. so Frankie. So Frankie and Cindy Lou as these sort of opposites. Mm-hmm. Or you know, kind of opposite sides of um each other with Carmen Jones in the middle. So I think that's a you know it it's it it's it's more nuanced than you would think right. I guess. Other thing you, you know this is one of those films that you have two sets of reviews. You know you have the the contemporary reviews in 1954 and then you have you know when they put it on DVD and people talk about things. And I saw something from from the Guardian mm-hmm. in 2007 and one of the critiques was that it seemed unwieldy that it was an all black cast really like 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 you know he he said you know it's almost like they bent stuff around to have this to all make it all black to make it all black which to me just showed a real fundamental misunderstanding of how segregation worked pretty much so you know, so i was looking at it like that and and, and you know you have this base and of course the base for the most part you know i'm I'm sure there were some commanding officers um based on my research of watching a soldier's story um there were commanding officers that were white and then they go to the south side of chicago in 1954 which you know it's pretty much all, yeah, all, all black all black so that 1954 major studio backing 
depiction of an all black world, which is something. And, and, you know, I won't say, I, I don't, I don't think I've seen enough Otto Priminger to talk about him as a director. Like I've seen this and I've seen anatomy of a murder. Like I realized looking at his filmography, like I've not seen a lot of Otto Priminger stuff at all, but this definitely is one of these fifties, you know, they, it says it's filmed in cinescope. Cinescope. Yeah, you know, this, cinescope, yeah. you know, this sort of big, Wide colorful screen. wide screen so just for that you know just the images of this thing i think are amazing i think that especially knowing the uh parameters of cinemascope like cinemascope is is good for like like it's the original wide screen mm-hmm. you know like the, the 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 screen was like slightly curved and, and elongated so it could get these wide wide vistas or wide or, or big uh, wide shots of, of 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 crowds and stuff like that. It's especially if you ever watch like a really great western mm-hmm. that's filmed in cinemascope. This film is great that it's it's filmed in cinemascope, but I don't think that that you know does it any favors because I think that the direction of the of the movie is still very theatrically staged. It still pretty much is uh, a a play, okay. you know, put the camera in front here, uh, in in the in, is uh, represents this wall of the room, and now just shoot left to right, left sure. to right. Not a whole lot of close ups, and no no type of. It, 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 he's a very by the numbers director. So Husky Miller's you. fight at the end, you don't think that? No, I don't think that was especially that was espe- especially that, uh, like foot, you know, shot in any okay. Uh, Bang way. that rhythm of the drum. Same thing. You you don't you don't see how the wide screen. I, don't, is I, honest, I honestly don't. I honestly don't think so. I don't. Okay. I'm, I'm, not to the degree that some like uh, cinemascope is was meant for. Right. It's not like the vistas of of the Dakotas. Well, it's not. It's, it's as not like somebody's that riding a horse. I don't think like. Uh, I don't think that number was like a a, a really big elaborate number. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. I don't think that it was. Um, I don't th- actually don't think that it was staged all that well. I think mm-hmm. if it's not not for Pearl Bailey and her voice, it's just what it is. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You see Max Roach for uh, three seconds. Pretty much. Um, the fight scene that you talked about, Husky Miller's fight, the whole time I'm watching it, yeah, it's kind of cool. You know, it, it, it was shot in a way that you could see what was going on. That was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was nice to see that they hired a whole, put a whole lot of extras at, at work. You know, this mm-hmm. was the days before computer animated crowds. Right, right, so, right, right. Well, that's why I was seeing the bigness of yeah, that of that scene. But I still, I, I, I guess it, it was lost on me. Maybe, and maybe if I was to watch it in true cinemascope, maybe I would have a different feel. But I, that feeling didn't come across from on this movie with me, as opposed to other films that were shot in cinemascope that I have watched even on television, and I can feel that bigness coming coming through. But you were talking about Carmen being in love. There is the scene though when um oh yeah I I know I wanted to shout out uh one other actor actor from this from this film who played um Roy Glenn who played Rum Daniels Husky's manager. <laughs> he was kind of cool too. That means that I don't eat. And if I don't eat, you going <laughs> to starve. That's right. <laughs> um there was a scene where Carmen, you know, fights off the advances of Husky Miller and everything like that, and they all leave. 
and all of a sudden Joe comes up and now she's been waiting for Joe and Joe comes up and she's got to Joe and she, she runs, runs to Joe and, and, and Joe says something that puts her off and Brock Peter shows up. Joe's going to go. Joe is, is still going to flight school. Right. Yeah. And in that instance, when Brock Peter shows up, it's like, well, you know, you're wasting your time with this, with this dude anyway. You know what I mean? Right. In that instance, Carmen says, well, hey, let me go with you. Right. Carmen was ready to go with Brock Peters. I think Carmen was trying to push Joe into doing exactly what he did. True. True. I, I, I understand she was playing the game. Mm-hmm. And it's very interesting to see that the game ain't changed. Hey. Because <laughs> the game is the game is the game. She was playing that game. But I think that also that should have been a window into, you know, exactly how truly deep her love for Joe was. It wasn't that deep, dog. I think she wanted Joe to be with her. I, You know. I, th- I think she wanted it both ways. And, and and her song in the very beginning, when she talks about what Carmen wants and, and what Carmen is looking for, I think she wanted someone to love her in a way she had never been loved before. To someone that, like, you can't hold Carmen, you can't contain Carmen. But I think the thing about Carmen Jones is that if you love her, that's how you love her. Like, you can't, you can't, kind of be this pure you can't have like she can't have cindy lose life like there's a scene at the beginning where where they they first they they end up together and uh they being joe and and carmen jones and carmen jones is saying to joe oh that's your little girl and y'all gonna get married and have kids and she paints this you know kind of picturesque domestic life that she sees joe's going to have Mm-hmm. And Joe's like, no, you, you know, and, and Joe, you know, Joe's very responsible. Like I wrote down, Joe responsible, and where Joe says, you know, I'm only going to have enough kids that I can take care of, and this, that, and the other. And he says, you're the one that's going to end up with a, a, a husband and kids. And she says, no, never, you know. And she basically says again, I can't be contained i can't be held i can't be cooped up like she always talks about being cooped up which you know and then she's sending this mixed message because what is she doing as she's saying she doesn't want this kind of domestic life she's making him dinner right so you know you got all this going on this back and forth with the peaches and i think she did want joe like she wanted joe because joe wasn't brock peter's Joe wasn't Husky Miller. Joe wasn't the rest of these dudes where like, you remember the sister at the very beginning asked her, told her, she said, I wish you would pick a dude that you go into the club with tonight so you can let the other ones go. <laughs> right, 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 right. But then that. Joe turns into one of these dudes. And now I have no more use for you because I'm Carmen and I cannot be contained. Even to the point where remember you know joe and husky get into the fight and the police are coming and she says let's get him out the back and somebody says to her i thought you don't, i thought you don't even love that dude anymore and she says i don't love that dude i don't like to see anybody locked up though exactly yeah. so even joe who's at this point is pathetic and beneath me i don't want him locked up mm-hmm. and cindy lou who i guess is sort of my like she's a rival like um like Jolene, like the woman who sings Jolene, 
the the, the Dolly Parton's voice who says to Jolene, you know, just please don't take him just because you can. Like their rivals, like Jolene and the singer of Jolene are rivals, right? right. <laughs> like Cindy Luce are rival, but she tells him, "You need to go on home because this ain't for you." So I think she loves him until she can't. I think that's what makes her so destructive. It's it's the love that's consumed by fire, like they have in the very beginning, which had to mention this for Saul Bass, the the great um credits dude. Oh yeah. Yeah, this is this is Saul Bass's first film. It's a lot of firsts for people. Pearl yeah. Bailey's first first uh, movie, Joe Adams' first movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and you know, again I think it's it's it They're was all better than Harry Bella. It, oh, <laughs> it was one of these one of these big projects. And when you read accounts from from black people in this period, like they talk about Carmen Jones this is one of my favorite. And here you go. I'll throw this. Out. I've never found a good print of it. Uh, Porgy and Bess. Like everyone talks about the Porgy and Bess set, which in a lot of ways is kind of thematically the sequel to Carmen Jones. Because you yes. have kind of the same players. You have the same sort of setting. You have all of these things. It's based on uh, um, Porgy and Bess is a musical. Would it be a musical? Would it be an opera? Uh, it, well, it's it was musical. on the stage, yeah. So, so you know, it's all those things. Yeah, I, I actually saw just a quick aside. I saw a um, stage uh, version of Porgy and Best. Maybe now it may be about three, four years ago in um, New York or Broadway. Oh, the Ar- one with David Allen Greer. Yeah, and Audra McDonald. Very nice. Oh my god, that was so fantastic. I couldn't get tickets. That was so good, man. That was. I enjoyed myself. So much. You're so cultured, and I'm not. I'm, and I'm not a musical person, but I I enjoyed that so freaking much. I bought the soundtrack. I listened to it every once in a while. You're so cool. Like when you're in a, you're in like the study having a sniffer of brandy. <laughs> I love it, man. I love. Well, I mean, if you can't listen to Andre McDonald's and and not feel something, and you're you're dead inside. <laughs> um, a little piece of correction, though. I mentioned that the dubber, the person that dubbed uh, Car- uh, Dorothy Dandridge, Marilyn Horn was famous for doing dubbing mm-hmm. in in Hollywood. This was actually her first job as a dubber. Okay. Um the person that I was thinking of was Marnie Nixon. Marnie Nixon actually made her bones. Um she w- went down uh, uh is noted as the voice of Hollywood. She dubbed for Deborah Kerr in The King and I, Natalie Wood Audrey Hepburn. Uh, she actually was in, she had a small role in The Sound of Music with Julie Andrews, hmm. um, where she actually did some singing. Her last filmed singing voice was as the grandmother in 1998's Disney animated feature Mulan. So well, very nice. She did mad work. And uh, apparently she is still with us, born in 1930. All right. Just cel- just had a birthday, February twenty second. Oh, that's so, nice. So, uh, happy birthday, Marnie Nixon. All right. So, I wanted to correct her, correct that and give her her just due. All right. All right. Old Hollywood. Old. Ho- I I have a thing. I I I have a thing for old Hollywood. I I'll listen to like old Hollywood and old television mm-hmm. stories like all day long, man. I just love learning all that history. I, I mean, it's so it it it's such an American culture. It is. You know, like yeah. it's so American. And and again, back, you know, just to, to kind of fold 
this back in in the fold Dorothy Dandridge and you have a number of these black actors and actresses mm-hmm. who because it wasn't just a job it was a culture like this is actually a subculture they, they they're always sort of on the edge like like you know the Dorothy Dandridge's the the like like Woody Strode Harry Belafonte to a certain extent like like you talk about the the challenges you know all jokes aside the challenges Harry Belafonte had as working steadily in Hollywood and and you know Dorothy Dandridge the the next I think three films she made after this she filmed them um outside of the states because at some point when you're when you have this this black lead actress she's going to have to be in a scene with a white man. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think when she made Island in the Sun, uh, there were theaters in the South that, that said that they were, they, they just would shut, they just won't show it. And, you know, much like, much like now, you know, the theaters run this thing and, and, you know, run, run the film industry to a certain extent. Like, like if you, if, if we're not going to show them, this thing is going to die on the vine. And, I think you're right. I, you know, I think the the stories and the culture of old Hollywood, just generally, is is pretty interesting. Like I said, and 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 very much an American phenomenon. Yeah. And and you know, again, I, I think you don't have many examples of African American films with this major studio backing in this moment. No, you do not. And and you know, and frankly. This the, the time is running out. Like this is nineteen fifty four. Like depending on when you want to say the Sidney Poitier sort of civil rights era starts, you know we're right there. We're right there. I mean, we're right at the at the dawn you, of it. Yeah, you know, I, you know, I don't know off the top of my head when, like, you know, guess who's coming to dinner and the love of Ivy. But that's a lot later. Guess who's coming to dinner? I mean, this is fifty four. What's that? Fifty four. Guess who's coming to dinner? It's sixty. What? It's it's got to be. It's got to be at least sixty five. Okay, Blackboard maybe? Jungle. Uh, what's the one where he plays the doctor? Oh, um, uh, uh, well, that that's not too long after. Or like, uh, you know, again, the love of Ivy and and guess who's coming to dinner? Yeah, guess who's coming to dinner is nineteen sixty seven. Okay, to serve with love. Is sixty seven like sixty seven was the year of Sydney because that was to serve with love in the heat of the night. Guess who's coming to dinner? Okay, Lilies of the Field is sixty three. Yeah, and Patch of Blue is sixty five. So, right. so you know, like you said, fifty four. You're kind of like it's it's dawning. Like mm-hmm. you know, we're fed up and we're getting to that boiling point where it's about to really show. Right. You know. Right. And um, so within about two three years of there. It, it, you know the, the the lid is bubbling over a little bit and about to blow probably with the with the advent of the 60s you know how fond dorothy dandridge was she was a good, very good looking woman dorothy dandridge was so fine do you ever see the the Haley berry movie the yes, dorothy dandridge inside, it, it was inside dorothy dandridge inside dorothy dandridge i always felt like she didn't do dorothy dandridge justice wow see now when i was watching this movie i was watching the watching a movie thinking that when they cast Halle Berry, that's one of the few times that they cast someone that was probably on par mm-hmm. with the act with the person that they actually had to you know 
portray. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I thought she was. Um, I thought. I mean, yeah, Dorothy Dangerous is is, is very is, is a very attractive woman. There's there's a scene in um in this film towards the end where she tells <laughs> Joe to draw the polish on her toes. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. She's sitting on a table. I don't even know how this got in the film. <laughs> like I don't know how. It is the most sensual moment. And she lifts her legs up mm-hmm. and she has on the robe. And then immediately after, I remember she drops the robe off because then she puts a dress on. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't, I can't even believe this was on the screen. I was actually thinking about that. It's, it's funny you bring that up because she drops, she drops her robe and she's there in her bra and her, in her underwear. Right, right. Her, right. her zebra, her zebra, her, her, her zebra print panties. Right. Right. Which, despite the size of them, she pulls it off. But I, I wondered, and, and I don't know offhand, in 1954, how common it was for a woman in the movies to be seen in their underwear. Right. And I, I couldn't help but wonder now in these enlightened times if that is allowed because of the viewpoint exactly. of, of a of a black woman exactly and at that time and, and again i'm back to i'm uncomfortable with the otto priminger that dorothy dandridge relationship and i and, and that's how right. i look they, at it i look at that through her. this man objectifying this one and, and and so so it's like again back to like i was with this movie like on the one hand just just as a heterosexual man and and, and lover of the feminine form mm-hmm. i was like you know i've this this is an amazing moment like this is an amazing moment it's like i said earlier it's one thing to see pictures of dorothy dandridge but it's another thing to see her in action, to see her in a- and and the way she conveys you, you know the sexuality the sensuality all of that and then it's auto priminger showing it and and then you know one of the things that i've read like four different like sydney portier's book sammy davis jr's book diane not diane diane carol maya angelou talks about it michelle nichols talks about because michelle nichols was also it had a had a bit part in uh porgy and bess where yeah. everyone talks about sydney portier and otto priminger you know you know you don't want to say dramatic and say almost came to blows but apparently it was a it was a deal between the two of them where Sidney Poitier checked him yeah and said you will not treat her a certain type of way in my presence right so that i know that it's this kind of really icky twisted relationship between the two of them mm-hmm. and I completely agree with you. I absolutely agree with you, and I don't have the you know I've not studied. Yeah, I don't have the statistics. You know, I don't have the statistics of women in their underwear in 1954 films. <laughs> you have to go to parts of the internet that I try not to go to on my <laughs> yes. work computer to go. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but 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 I I agree with you, and and it, one thing I couldn't find, I didn't or I didn't have time to find, and and you know you talk about you know at some point we'll start putting essays and stuff on the um, website and watch some point like I think I'm supposed to be doing some of this but I just had a baby <laughs> leave me alone um all good dog one of the things I didn't have time to really look up like like I might actually take a day and go to Bloxon on Temple's campus I really want to read the contemporary black reviews 
of mm. Carmen Jones. Like I'd love to see like what the Philadelphia Tribune said, the Baltimore Afro-American, the Chicago Defender. Like like I know obviously people were very proud um you know because Dorothy Dandridge eventually, you know, the year after was nominated for an Academy Award. Yes. Which is a huge deal. But I do you know especially when I read that Otto Preminger went and spoke to Walter White about this and and you know and there is you, you know the overt sex and 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 you know like like the first scene that carmen jones is in damn near she gets into a fist fight with a woman and it's a pretty brutal fight no that's the second scene second scene what is it but in the first scene she tells her if you run your mouth i'm gonna scratch out that one good eye you got right and in the second scene she's she's actually whooping her ass yeah. so you know it's all of these images mm-hmm and I and I do and and I know how you know, I know how as as a people as a culture we're very sensitive about our images yes. on screen and in print. So because one thing is, well, that's not here. I was about to talk about like if you ever get a chance, look up the reviews of Native Son when Native Son first came out. Oh, okay, yeah, that's that's good reading right there. I can um, I wonder what the response was to Carmen Jones. And especially along the lines of the response to to something like you just said with that scene with her and her. And, and again, it's 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 a pretty sexual scene. It is. So that's Carmen Jones, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. So you would recommend people seeing it? I think it's one of those films that you 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 should see outside of history, outside of its historic context. OK, outside of its historic context. No. I don't think you necessarily need to see this film. I, I, I just, I didn't enjoy it that much. Okay. Like I said, I'm very indifferent on it. But historically, Hist- yeah, I think you should see it. Okay. I suspect I, I've not seen a lot of Dorothy Dandridge movies. Like, I saw Island in the Sun. I saw I saw something else that was sort of forgettable. Um, literally forgettable because I forgot it. I, I think... I think Carmen Jones may be the one it like, like if it's like, like if you're trying to figure out what the big deal is of, of Dorothy, of Dorothy Dandridge. Dandridge, this lets you know. Yeah. Um, but besides that, I agree with you. I, I agree with you. It's, it's not necessarily something that I would um, commit two hours to, but, but you should see it. And, and it, this is, it's on Netflix it's on Amazon. It's had a couple of reissues. So, but but this is on like like Carmen Jones. You can find it is on Netflix. Yeah, and it's on Netflix right now. Waiting actually. for you. So, before we get out of here, um, I was sharing with you some listener feedback. Mm-hmm. We did actually, you know, talking about we need um, Maurice Popular suggested that we come up with like a whole list of movies. Well, I've been talking back and forth on Facebook. We can find us on Facebook in the Michelle Mission. I'm talking back and forth on Facebook with a fan, Robert Monroe Jr. What's up, Robert? Uh, out of out of Schenectady, New York. Hey, he Robert. And he said he's marathoning the Michelle Mission. Great podcast. I'm really digging that you're using NOLA as your theme song. Right. She's got to have it. It's one of the best soundtracks Queen ever. for a day. Most certainly. He suggested, actually, he, he's, he may have already started our little bucket list. So I asked him, like, was there, did he have any, you know, like, movies that he wanted, you know, suggest for us to review? Mm-hmm. And he sent to back, well, of course, she's got to have it. Of course. That's, that's, that, that's a prestige project. That's, that's an anniversary show. show. Yeah, that's got to come up. That's got to be, like, on, on one of the seminal shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hollywood Shuffle. 
Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Medicine for melancholy. Medicine for melancholy. That was going like, that's actually what I was going to pick next. Like you picked, and then I was going to pick Medicine for Melancholy. I was picking for my next movie. Well, there you go, Robert. Uh, I love Medicine for Melancholy. I do not know that film, so there you go. Uh, he also suggested Claudine. Okay, yeah. Penitentiary. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Penitentiary. Oh, I, got a, I got a penitentiary story for you. Uh, <laughs> nothing but a man. Okay. To yeah. sleep with anger. Oh, that's good stuff. Brother from another brother planet. from another planet, yeah. And wait a I, second, is that a black film? We'll talk about it. Okay. Uh, and a movie that was uh, definitely coming up on on my list, Honey Dripper. I did not see Honey Dripper. I meant to see Honey Dripper. So okay. Yeah, and we we have agreed, uh, me and and Robert. His birthday, my birthday is April seventeenth. Well, we found out in this conversation that not only is his birthday April seventeenth. But his wife's birthday is April 18th. My brother's birthday is April well, yeah, about your brother's April. What if my brother was his wife? Um, <laughs> not going to touch that one. Uh, so he suggested that we do a romantic flick for our birthdays um, in lieu of their love. And my, my lady's birthday is in April, too, so that works. So I have agreed with him that in April uh, we will be reviewing Love Jones. Okay. My my niece's birthday is in April and she actually asked me last week could we do Claudine? Well, th- so maybe we can do Claude. Apparently, Robert, all your wishes are coming. Two forward. of the weeks out of <laughs> April, it looks like we've programmed. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Thanks for starting us on on our bucket list. Yes. Maurice, we're already yes. ahead of yes. the game. Yes. You know, and uh, feel free to add to that bucket Absolutely. list. Absolutely. Absolutely. We, we need it. All right. Um, this has been this has been fun. This has been this has been uh, Carmen Jones. Yes. Uh, coming your way. It's available on Netflix. Check it out there. Stay tuned to Twitter and Facebook where we will announce our next film. We'll probably announce the next 12. We're going to try and do it. We're going right, to try right, and do right. it. We're we'll going try to do and do it. it. Okay. This is for Maurice. It's the Maurice list coming your way on the Michelle Mission, which you can find on iTunes and SoundCloud. Just look for Michelle Mission. It's right there. Subscribe. Leave us a commentary. Let us know what you what you think. It's also available on the Black Tribbles Podcast Network. Just look for Black Tribbles. You'll find the Michelle Mission as well every wednesday new show comes out okie dokie vince well in leaving you will say wubba dubba lub dub (laughs) bye It's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again.